0: Welcome to the Jungle, the Auburn Men's Basketball Podcast.
1: Seven-footer Kessler with the screen, gets it back, goes right down the lane!
0: Auburn men, talking Auburn men's basketball.
1: Katie Johnson over Gibson.
0: No frills, no gimmicks, just ball.
1: Jabari Smith left wide
0: open. Splash! Here's your host, Matt Donaldson and Jackson...
1: Garrett
0: All right we are here in the podcast. This is Matt by the way, if you haven't figured out I was trying to do a Jackson thing like that's all right I'd start every episode. Um, Jackson may be joining us. we'll see he's in Bermuda on vacation. Shout out to him. Uh, my good friend Bobby Dyer from Auburn is joining us as a guest co-host and he gets the honor of talking us through. Uh, Auburn's first loss in regulation for the year, um, and so welcome, Bobby, and to everybody else. I'm sure you know this by now, but Auburn lost 63 to 62 to Florida uh, on the road, and you know it was a it was a really frustrating game in a lot of ways that we'll get into. So, uh, Bobby, hello, welcome. Thank you for filling in. Uh, what were your kind of overall thought? We we always talk about MVP to start, and and Jackson doesn't like this, but I'm going to do. It. He's not here anyway. It was obvious who the MVP was for Auburn tonight, right?
1: Well, well yeah. I mean, just take one look at the, the box score, and, and you'll see that it was definitively uh, Alan Flanagan with only, <laughs> <laughs> for once, only two turnovers in, uh, in the game. Um, he did not have more turnovers than points for once in his life. Um, I, I mean, we were just talking about this before the show started. I mean, today was probably what a lot of people expected Auburn to look like this year you know, before the season started, I think people expected that on most nights you'd see, you know, you'd see Jabari dropping 28 points, shooting almost 50% from the field, playing 33 minutes. And then the rest of the team was just kind of, you know, meh. But obviously we've seen a different narrative this year and that's what's made Auburn so surprising. But today was the first time I really felt like all year where it was like, okay, if we didn't have Jabari today, like we would be so screwed there. We wouldn't have a chance. Um, And, and, you know, I'm just looking at the box score. I mean, you can see the turnovers were just killer. You had 17 of them. Wendell by himself, or sorry, KD by himself had five. And I swear seven of those turnovers from KD, he hurled them into the stands and, you know, like it's one of those situations where like, yeah, you, you can't point to one specific thing and pin the loss on that but I can't help but think a lot about those four or five plays where Flanagan or KD hurled the ball into the stands just senseless turnovers I think really killed really killed Auburn
0: yeah and I mean there's no doubt Jabari was the reason the main reason that this was a close game I I said it would have been stealing um if Auburn had won this game I guess we should set it up a little bit I know a lot of people know this but Florida's squarely on the bubble. This is by far their best opportunity at home against a top-tier team to kind of secure or work their way towards securing a a berth in the NCAA tournament. If you know anything about college basketball, those teams are so dangerous. And I think everybody knew it. Auburn was like a three-point favorite tonight. So there was just, uh, it was a huge game for Florida. They played like it. I thought they played like the more desperate team. I thought they played a, I thought they defended Auburn beautifully. Uh, perhaps better than anybody has. So I was really impressed with what Florida did, but the reality is uh, that a lot of things have to happen for this Auburn team to lose in regulation. You know, I think it it lost in all the, we're going to talk about a lot of the frustrations. We're going to talk about a lot of the issues, but, you know, a lot of things had to happen for Auburn to lose this game. And, And really Auburn didn't do much right, except for have Jabari Smith on the floor. So I'm still encouraged by that. It's a deflating loss in the sense that you had a chance to steal it, um, and it's deflating because of what it does to the SEC race. But Jabari was terrific. He's continuing to elevate his play. Um, if, if we just have to get him a shot uh, at the end of games when we have a chance to win,
1: which is a yeah, big I, I was just going to say the the reality is like you were saying. You know, Auburn did so much wrong, but they still, at the end of the game, they had it down a point. With seven seconds left, just enough time for Wendell to throw the ball away. Um, you know, and end up losing the game. And look, Florida did defend Auburn really well. And obviously, their best defense of the game happened on the last possession, which is as a Florida fan, when you want Florida to play its best defense. And so I, I will, yeah, I gotta tip my hat to them. They they played Auburn really well. And there must be something about their defensive scheme denying the ball like close almost to half court that forced a lot of those turnovers out of bounds. Right. Cause then you didn't have an easy outlet pass back to the point guards. So you try to just, you know, Chuck it across court and Katie Johnson thought that, you know, he, he would try doing his best Cam Newton impression and, uh, no, no football references, guy, Bobby. No, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, do his best, uh, Russell Westbrook impression and completely. <laughs> this, miss this, the is, bucket.
2: this is why I jumped on. I knew you guys would say the F word. I had to ju- I, I'm all the way from Bermuda. I had to jump on here to, to be the referee of no F word here.
1: I, hey, I did not, I did not say the F word. I simply referenced uh, <laughs> <noted did> <laughs> Auburn legendary athlete of an undisclosed sport. That's right. Yeah. That, well, other,
2: that other sport. Yeah, you yeah. Tell
0: Jackson has crashed the call. Like I thought he might, he can't stay away. He had to watch part of this loss. He's back in uh, Jackson. Give us the, the, t- the, your, uh, Take on the game from Bermuda.
2: Well, I, I you know, I just want to jump on for a minute. I, me and Matt had decided, like, I probably wouldn't be able to do these next three games, but I'm on, like, this forced quarantine kind of thing for the next, like, couple hours. It, like, it's how it is with Bermuda whatever. So I was like, ah, let me jump on real quick, and I wanted to welcome Bobby to the show. Man, good to see you again. It's been a while. Exactly. And man, it sucks. It sucks. You know, if finally lost a, a game like in regulation. I watched a good bit of it. The turnovers were brutal. It's great. Like you said, it's great to see Jabari keep going. I don't want to play them again in the SEC tournament or anything like that when it clearly Colin Castleton and this team know how to get Kessler in foul trouble. It sucks. There's people like really hating on Wendell right now. Like, you know, we've had our ups and downs. We're getting starting to get ups and downs of Wendell now, you know, and it's just, I don't know, if you go back to where we thought we had with Wendell. It's still like exceeding expectations, and also with Bruce, we've known this for how long now. He is not great with end of game stuff. We're like, man, the the fast break stuff, the steals, the hustle, the recruiting, everything. If you had to pick one thing, he's not good at it's these end of game drawing up plays, and, you, and we've seen it a bunch this year. We've been. Super lucky to do what we've done. We had Wendell just go take a charge, basically, and score on Georgia. We had KD just decide to go do it. None of these are, like, great plays he's drawn up. So, don't necessarily blame this on Wendell. Wendell gets the ball at the end because he's the point guard, and he does need to figure out how to get the ball to this best player with seven seconds left. But he's also a college kid. He's, like, a what a sophomore or junior. Like, yeah. somebody draw something up for this boy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, t- I totally agree, man. I-, I thought, like, whatever the call was – if there was a set, it wasn't a very good set, and they needed a different one. Because you have to get the ball to Jabari. Set as many screens as you have to in six seconds, but you got to get him the ball. So you're absolutely right, man. And
0: and if you do it once, like, okay, I was willing to let go. Wendell was the only reason we had a chance in that Arkansas game, if you remember. He Mm -hmm. made a ton of great plays down the stretch. I was okay. I didn't like it, but I'll live with it. Twice in a couple weeks, and when Jabari's this hot in two straight games – and and Bruce said in the post game I saw I haven't watched it but he I saw a quote he's you know he, they had two timeouts left even after the one they called he's like I should have called timeout when I saw that they were I think they thought there was going to be extending and it looked like they were going to extend the defense and I thought the same thing live I said oh well if they extend get Wendell going downhill man and it's like they showed that and then immediately kind of did this mush zone in the middle of the lane expecting Wendell to come down there so it's like they were perfectly prepared i think for what we tried to do i totally agree though it's got to be jabari it's very frustrating not only to not get a shot up when you're in that situation or draw a foul like there's so many ways we could have won that game at the end um it's frustrating that your best guy doesn't get the ball and i think that's what everybody's frustrated hopefully it's more directed at that than like wendell because wendell's been a huge part of why auburn's in the position they're in right now
1: yeah. I mean, he was he was kind of put in no man's land because um, nobody's like Walker kind of tried to set a screen for him. But even then, it Auburn as a whole on that sequence just kind of looked lost, um, maybe not lost, but they, they looked like they didn't really have a plan, um, except Wendell gets to the basket. And that was the whole thing. When Florida took that away, there was no plan B.
0: Well, let's zoom out a little bit, right? Like let's look overall Jackson. You got anything? Go ahead.
2: Yeah. I'm just, I'm not going to stay on much longer. You know, I just wanted to come in and say, Hey, and, and I had, this is the one chance I had and just, you know, Bermuda Auburn club's back. It's dark. You can't see it here, but it sucks. We're on a <laughs> loss. I'm hoping, you know, maybe if I can at least get some pregame notes in on those other two games, that'll be big. I know you guys, uh, everybody's so desperate to hear about what's going on with me. You know, it's not about the basketball, you know, <laughs>
1: anyways,
2: it, you know, Bobby take it away Matt take it away I'm glad y'all are doing the lost podcast maybe I'll just quit we finally lost one in regulation I'm out for the next while so all right guys more you go
1: where you go Jackson all right so what I was saying was let's zoom
0: out a little bit right let's talk okay. about what happened in this game um so Auburn has had this problem on the road right how many times have we seen a slow start offense really struggling the other team super excited to play a top ranked team a top five team whatever you know it's going to be like that but then there was this weird stretch where Auburn somehow they they always find a way to be like down one or up three at halftime it's like how are they up like how are they down one in that first half it was so ugly it was terrible and then they got up by what eight or nine at one point early in the second half and it kind of felt like okay like Maybe Auburn's going to pull away. I continue to be so impressed with Florida. I, I went and saw them in person when they played in Auburn Arena, and I was super impressed with Appleby, which, by the way, you know he had 26 points, and he hit some huge uh, – here, Bobby, I'm just going to throw a bunch at you, and you respond to what you want, okay? Number one, okay. Florida hit tough shots. They hit tough shots all night. Mm-hmm. They, hit, um, they hit 10 threes to our five. Percentages were close, but they just hit some really tough threes. They defended incredibly hard and incredibly well. And I think the, the book is out on the league, from the league on that high screen and roll with Wendell and Kessler. Like, when's the last time we saw that lob? Like, when's the last time we saw that completely opening everything up? And then the other piece I would say is just not to harp on it, but, man, just in a game like this against a team that desperately needs a huge win on their home floor – you just can't double up their turnovers and give up that many shots. You know, in the end, we only had two less shots than them, but you're right. It's hard not to think back to all those possessions where you don't even get a look, you know, and, and, and all sorts. Another thing, we shot zero free throws in the first half, which means that you can blame the refs all you want. We could not get inside and nothing came easy for this team offensively, except for Jabari's jump shots.
1: Yep. Yeah. Um, Wow. That was, that was a All lot. Right. Sorry, That's that was okay. A- That's okay. Um, you, you, the first thing I wanted to point out is absolutely. Yes. Florida hit some really tough shots. I noticed that down the stretch there were like two or three of them that I would call not bad shots, improbable. Questionable. Shots. Yeah. Like Steph Curry is the only person with the green light to shoot that ball. And like, if you make it awesome, but if you miss it, coaches are like hey don't don't shoot that again that was not because i mean as far as i can remember all of them had a guy auburn auburn defender in their face they were covered up and just buried it and it it really felt like one of those like fighting for your you know march madness life kind of games for for florida and um I I thought that they did hit some really big shots down the stretch, especially considering like they ended up shooting 40% from three pointer from the three point line, but it didn't feel like that throughout the game. And I think like three or four of their shots toward the end lifted that percentage a bit. Cause I don't think they shot that well throughout the game. Um, I, I think teams definitely have maybe not, figured it out per se because Kessler's still been playing really well and Wendell will still play really well. But I, I do think teams have at least they've cemented their uh strategy for defending that high screen and roll for for Wendell and Kessler. You you're right on the money, right on the money with that. Um I also thought, and man, I look I, I've I've you and I both officiated before. It's not easy. However, sometimes I feel like these referees, they make it look astoundingly difficult to officiate a basketball game. And all I, all I ask is for consistency. And many times it does not feel like Auburn is officiated the same way other teams are. Now, I know every one of you is going to say, Bobby, of course, you're going to say that. You're an Auburn fan. And my counterpoint is mind your business, but also <laughs> there, there, there's just something about seeing like, I, I don't know, Alan Flanagan under the basket, getting destroyed. And then, and this, this happened in um, I think it happened in the Vandy game, not in this game, but there was a play in the Vandy game where um, a Vandy guy, you know, cleared, cleared a defensive rebound. Everybody else was down the court, but Jabari just did. He did what literally anyone ever does. And just kind of like swipes at the ball on his way, running past. And they called a foul on that. I've never, Matt, I've never seen that called in a game before. And I just look at situations like that and think what that, would that have happened to anybody besides Auburn? I don't know what it is about Auburn, but it feels like because I'm an Auburn fan, You know, everything goes against us, but there were some really weak calls tonight. And whenever that puts Kessler in foul trouble, that's the point of all this, what I'm saying when it puts Kessler in foul trouble, that drastically changes the game for Auburn, not only when he's on the bench because of foul trouble, but because of how he has to play in subsequent minutes, not having like his full, like stable of fouls available. I mean, you saw it like the night and day difference between the Alabama games you know, and how big of a game he had when we played them at home, um, not being in foul trouble, that, that sort of thing, it, it, you know, as an Auburn homer, you know, that, that tends to bother me, but um, I, I just think overall Auburn is going to get everybody's best shot. You know, that's just, that's the reality of being in this position. It's something we haven't really experienced before as Auburn basketball fans. Um, You know, I, I'm not going to, say the K word, but, you know, that other team that wears blue in the SEC, you know, they're pretty darn good at basketball historically. So they, they know what it's like, you know, as a fan base to see other teams giving them their best shot. And it's something that we are new to. So I think that's something that, you know, I'm having to adjust to as a fan, maybe you are too, but when you see a game like today and you see how hard Auburn fought, um, even with 17 turnovers, even with some really mind boggling, Mistakes on both ends of the floor to only lose by one against a a possible tournament team in Florida, one that has always seemed to have Auburn's number in Gainesville, is still kind of encouraging, um, even even with the loss. So I guess did I respond to everything you said? I don't know. Really. Well, we'll try to shorten it up a little bit. It, it takes I, a lot
0: to beat this team. I think yes. that's the encouraging thing. I remember watching the Arkansas game, just thinking, "Wow, like." We're just not playing well. At all. And Arkansas played a great game. I think Florida played a really good game tonight. Um, so I'm encouraged by that. Uh, the big thing that I would point out, I mean, you know, we'll point out a couple of stats maybe here, and then we'll jump into kind of our pregame notes mm-hmm. uh, to talk through some things, but you know, the, we've consistently talked on this podcast about the depth and the athleticism are the, the things that make this team go. And tonight, I don't know if this is a record low. It's got to be close nine bench points. Mm. Uh, usually we get 20 to 30, 35. I mean, just crazy numbers off the bench. Nine points is, is terrible. Um, and even if you look big picture at like three guys in double figures had 51 out of our 62 points. There was, there was no balanced scoring. You got very little from Flanagan, zero from Jalen Williams, five from Wendell Green. You just there weren't enough contributions up and down. It was really a Jabari and Walker and Katie hit free throws, and that was it. Um, so just not enough contributions from our nine or 10. Yeah. And because and, here's the thing, Florida's always like that. If you look at Florida's, they only had five bench points. They, they had three guys that played that scored none. I mean, they had Castleton and Appleby who just carried them scoring-wise. So that should be an advantage for us that we did not get. I also felt like, didn't it feel like that Florida was just, Florida thrived in the chaos better than we did. And it feels like the last few weeks, yeah. Auburn usually with Bruce Pearl, it's like, we want it up and down. We want to push the tempo. We want to turn them over. We want to get out and run. And it just feel, felt like we didn't get that advantage today. Honestly, it felt like Florida was coming up with a lot of the loose balls, the 50-50 balls. Yes,
1: yes Absolutely. And, and
0: uh, they deserve a lot of credit for that. They, they are a tremendously athletic, long, big team. And I think they gave our guards trouble. We've talked about that a lot this year, small guards that we have. Um, but look, like you said, the big picture, all that, and you lose by one where you have a you know, chance in the, in the end. And we did. It, we were down eight with two minutes to go, had a really nice... We, I continue to be impressed with how we've handled being down late. It hasn't happened much this year, but we've, we've extended the game well we've managed the clock up until those last two possessions that everybody's going to focus on. We've done a lot of really good things. So that's encouraging. And I think the only other stat I would point out, I'll kick it to you. If there's anything that stands out, we won rebounding, which is, I I can't believe we won offensive rebounding. It felt like they got way more than it says here. Um, And just, uh, oh, is that right? We only had two blocks tonight. So how about that for Florida for not, getting blocked and swatted left and right. Like that's a huge thing that I didn't really notice. watching. So that your- was,
1: the- so that was, that was the one thing that I was going to, going to point out. And I, I noticed it early in the game and I only noticed it because like I, I recently rewatched like the Vandy game and the most recent Alabama game. Like, you know some of Auburn's stronger performances lately and a common thread between all those games was that Auburn got up to like six blocks in like the first 10 minutes. I mean, it was just a block party in all those games. And they've had several other instances like that throughout the year. Today felt different. Um uh, uh, what's what's his name? Castleton. Um yeah he's he's all right, I guess. Um did you know he he did a decent job of you know shoving his forearm into Walker every time he went up to keep Walker from you know blocking his shot and yeah Florida Florida did a good job of you know like I don't even know how to describe it basically it, it seemed like they positioned themselves individually right whenever they were shooting to not allow Walker to be able to you know get up to to the ball they were you know they were scooping up under him or they were and look I don't want to bring up the refs too much but I swear if I see Walker get called for another foul when he's doing this and they jump up into him and he gets called for a foul because he's seven-one, I'm gonna lose my mind. That is insane to me. That's not a foul. Like, I I it it there's such a thing as incidental contact in basketball. And I don't think some refs understand that. But that's beside the point. Florida actually did a good job with their offensive movement of not putting themselves in a lot of positions where Walker was just going to destroy them they switched Walker onto smaller guards a lot more than i've seen any other team do and so they then would swing the ball around to whoever Walker wasn't guarding that person would take it to the bucket and auburn still defended the ball pretty well at the rim but they didn't get a lot of those blocks that we've been used to so that's why they only had two blocks tonight and yeah you got to give florida credit for uh, you know, scheming their offense that way.
0: Yeah, I thought two things. I, you you made a great point there. A lot of people initially were like, oh, well, let's get a guard on Kessler. It's like, but people figured out that's, that's not going to work very well either because he can guard your guards outside. So it was kind of a great counter to say, okay, we're going to swing it to the other side and let you attack from there and try to hold Kessler away from the basket. The yeah. other thing I noticed, all those skip passes that we were missing, right? Yes. They, Florida yeah. really... Bring, so when we're on offense and Kessler's in the post or somewhere inside, they really sink that opposite wing defender lower than most teams, I noticed. And that's what was leaving that skip pass wide open. However, there's a reason Florida wants you to do that because it's a hard pass to make against a long athletic team. So I, I do give Florida a lot of credit. Did you have any problems with how we defended? I mean, we we made a few mistakes, but I thought we defended fine. I didn't. No, the defense.
1: I I other than the fact that we didn't get our like daily, you know, our daily block quota, I I didn't really have a problem with the defense itself. When you hold any team at home to sixty three points, that that's good. Um, Again, I think a lot of the problems that we've talked about stem from from the offense. And honestly, at the beginning of the year, I I kind of worried that that might be a problem again going back to the point that people probably thought it would be the Jabari Smith show and maybe you'd get 10 points from somebody else on any given night because i mean he's got like the smoothest jumper i think i've ever seen like i i would just like to take a moment and say that i love watching jabari smith play basketball and i love that over the last two games he has gone out both nights and said i'm i'm taking over i'm the guy I'm I'm putting the team on my back and I I respect that because I think you know the we don't know what goes on in the locker room but you know the the you know announcers for each game will tell you oh his teammates always say they want him to you know be more assertive or aggressive or whatever we don't know if that's really true but it should be true because that man that man can ball. but um, on a night like this you know when you defend so well you'd like to see other guys you know be able to uh step up and help shoulder a little bit of the load and uh, again I I, neither of us are college basketball players so we say this you know from from you know an armchair coach's perspective but the uh I don't even want to say let down because again if anybody could be a college basketball player it was easy everyone would do it but five points from Wendell Green and shooting Zero five from the three-point line. That that's not what Auburn needs. That's and I know he holds himself to a higher standard than that. So I'm not trying to dump on him. And he did a lot of the other things really well. He had five assists. Um, played thirty minutes. Played good defense. But Auburn needs more out of him. They they need that roughly fifteen points he's been averaging in conference play. Right. Like if you get that from him, that's more bench points. That's just more points total. And it probably opens up the offense a little bit more. When he's more dangerous, and the defense has to adjust to that.
0: Yeah. The, uh, the yeah. The only other thing I would add is they did a great job of neutralizing Kessler on the glass. He had three rebounds. I thought they did a really good job boxing him out. I thought um, I thought they just battled. They were they were gritty inside. They they really went after loose balls hard. I'm shocked we won rebounding actually. After watching the game, I wouldn't have guessed that.
1: You uh, want to know why that? You want to know why it was why that happened? Why is that? Devin Cambridge. Devin Cambridge has become a rebounding monster. He had six today. Yeah. But like yeah. didn't it feel like the whole
0: time that they were just getting, I don't know, it felt like they were. I, I'm shocked they only had eight offensive rebounds. A it, lot felt, of those... it
1: felt like that in the first half. Yeah. In the first, in the first half, they were they were grabbing offensive rebounds like they were candy. Like it was it was actually kind of insane. And it and the, sorry, I actually just thought of something else I wanted to bring up because it is mystifying to me, and this seems to happen more in road games than anything else. There are these weird random stretches of basketball games where it looks like somebody coated the ball in vaseline but only when Auburn is on offense. Like the ball's just slipping out of their hands, out of bounds or they're bobbling it around or they just can't get two hands on it. And it's mystifying to me. It's a, and then later in the game, you know, they're dribbling between their legs, you know, going into traffic and hitting tough layups and threes and playing completely differently but then sometimes the play just gets so sloppy it's very it's very odd I I don't I don't know what the source of that could be
0: and I think what happens is you know it's easy to be all like obviously Auburn's been on a historic season this year and you're winning a lot of close games and you know I I never feel like our offense is as productive as it is it's just like beautiful I mean, I know we have some really nice sets. I know we have some good things that we do. But it, compared to some other teams, I don't think that's our strength. Kind of like what Jackson was hitting at. I don't think we're great in drawing random things up out of timeouts. And I, we're great out-of-bounds plays. We're great on offense and defense in that area. But just doesn't – so I think on the nights when it's ugly or when it's it's ugly but the results aren't there, people pay way more attention to it. Then yeah. I think a lot of the time we're a little sloppy and a little out of control and a little oh, – yeah. That's kind of our thing. I just think it gets maximized when you're having a day where you're struggling in a lot of different ways. So let's do this. Let's okay. do this okay. before we get too far in. I don't want to uh, go no, too... No,
1: it's a, a three-hour podcast. Stay uh, tuned, okay. everybody.
0: That stuff to do. Um, so I'm going to go through some pregame thoughts, and we'll see where this leads us. And then if you have, you can be kind of summarizing some other things. And then we're going to go player by player and just do a quick of their performance. So uh, number one for Jackson Jackson did get his in before he was, he left the States. Uh, Can Kessler stay out of foul trouble against Castleton with the away game refs? Um, You know, I'm going to defend Auburn or defend Florida here a little bit. I mean, Kessler may have played five minutes less, which I know I think the reason people may be reacting to that is because Florida went on a run after he got that third foul in the second half. Yeah. He, He didn't, I, I didn't feel like th- I thought he just. I thought Castleton just kind of outbattled him in a lot of ways. Castleton's a great player. People forget he's he's an All-SEC first-team player. Um, so Kessler didn't do much, in my opinion, to warrant being in foul trouble. But he didn't foul out. He still played twenty-six minutes. But to me, the fact that he played twenty-six minutes with three rebounds and I don't know if he had zero, one, or two blocks, but some one of those numbers. Um, I just didn't think it was Kessler's best night, but he's going up against a really, really good college experience player in Castleton. So you've talked about the refs some, do you have any other thoughts on the foul trouble Kessler stuff?
1: Yeah, it, um, it's just frustrating. I, th- I think there is at least one call a game that, you yeah. know, shouldn't get called on him. I mean, that, I, I will say, part of that is the reality of being a seven foot one center and being one who, um, you know, he he's pretty assertive in, in seeking out blocks, you know Um, I think that's just going to happen. It doesn't mean I like it when it does happen, but listen, I, yeah, I always joke with my wife that like, I I just hope that these refs wake up with minor ankle discomfort the next day, you know, just, (laughs) I don't want them to actually (laughs) get, I don't want any actual bodily harm to come to them, but I want them to, you know, just feel a little discomfort for their, for their poor performance. Part uh, of
0: it, though, we've seen it forever. Work. If you're a big guy, you just have to be extra cautious not to pick up extra ones and bring yeah. it on yourself. And I yeah. think so does a great job of avoiding, compared to other centers we've had in the past, he's probably the best I've ever seen. It.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: He,
0: he just doesn't do, he doesn't get himself in bad spots to draw extra fouls, because you know you're going to get one or two bad ones. The, yeah. the Tuscaloosa game was a disaster. Of all of them were bad, all but one. And this one, I wouldn't put quite on that level. I just, I, I was more, the, the foul trouble didn't bother me. I do think it was at a key moment in the second half. And uh, I still, great job by ESPN, by the way, showing three replays of his charge and not one of them ever showed where hit the guy's feet were, whether he was outside the cylinder. I yes. think he was, but we have no idea. So. I know.
1: Literally, I watched that charge and was like, was he, was he in the circle? It really looked like he was right under the basket. I'm not sure about that one. And then we never saw a replay that validated or invalidated. Yeah, it's very, very convenient.
0: So thank you. Um, number two for him, for Jackson, was can the guards have a big game after being carried by the front court in the last game? That's a big old no. Um, we'll talk about it more when we talk about the players. But, you know, I think the backcourt size and – just the way they're being defended. I, I'm not smart enough. I haven't pieced it together yet. Um, Jackson had a great question, by the way, um, we interviewed Stephen Pearl last night and that's gonna go up on Monday. And he did, I, it was one of my favorite interviews we've done. Um, one of the things, we didn't get to ask him, but one of the questions we had was, it feels like we're in the middle of this chess match offensively. And other teams have like adjusted their game plan, their strategy against us as they've gotten more tape on what we do. And yeah. it's like we're waiting for that next counter move, and what we're going to have to find a way to unlock these guards, like you said, with Wendell's production and stuff. We've got to get them in the flow of the offense and being efficient and getting more in the scoring column. Because again, you're talking about Zep, uh, Zep, Katie, and Wendell had a total of f- uh, 17 points, and you know, it's and, and again, most of that was Katie at the free throw line, <laughs> yeah. so anyway uh, they were not good florida did a great job of neutralizing them they gave them trouble in both games this year they're really long and athletic and honestly like we've touched on they had a great plan and i think auburn's coaches have it in there you know they've got to adjust for the next one number three flanagan bounce back game can flanagan bounce back and have a solid game he's fine two points one shot five rebounds 23 minutes two turnovers he's just not I love that we got him uh there was a nice little play we got him diving to the basket and he really patiently finished after he almost traveled three times um so he he was but he's I think Jackson Jackson's like the biggest Flanagan guy in the world so that's like always one of his pre-game notes is tracking Flanagan um what are your your kind of you haven't been on the podcast ranting about this stuff every game like where do you think Flanning, how do you think he was tonight? And then just how do you look at Flanning in big picture in this season right now?
1: Enough, I feel like he was more of a non-factor positively or negatively than he has been in recent games. I, okay. I know you and I have talked about this, you know, off 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 camera, but um I I am I don't want to use the word sad because that sounds melodramatic. To where he was last year right cuz i i just what i see in him is hesitancy and and he seems unsure of himself like in everything he does and they keep talking about how like he's not even back 100% athletically yet like he's obviously cleared to play and you know he puts forth good effort on defense and he's a good rebounder but on offense sometimes he just he looks so unsure of what he's doing and that's that's a little discouraging and and it's 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 like that seeps into everything now tonight was weird or today was weird because you know there he had at least one of those really bad you know hurl it into the nacho stand kind of passes but you know other than that um in other games like he'll 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 try to skip a pass that he you know shouldn't through a defender's legs or like he'll just bobble the ball or drop it he can't seem to drive to the basket without having a charge drawn on him and his jumper isn't falling. It's just like all the, all the, all the progress he had made as a scorer last year just seems to have evaporated. And I, I hate that for him because he's a tremendous athlete. And last year, like while Auburn was kind of awaiting, you know, the, the NCAAs, you know, uh, stupidity to end with Sharif Cooper Flanagan was, I would argue the main reason Auburn was able to kind of keep the ship afloat, Last year, until Sharif was able to come back, and so it does. You know, I guess. I guess, yeah, it does make me a little sad to see Flanagan not playing as well as as I believe he can. Um, and he's still got the the, the perfect, uh, the the perfect, you know, the perfect build, the perfect athleticism, the perfect body type to be an NBA guy. And I think he's got the perfect skill set when he's on his game, um, or the perfect potential to be a really great college player. And he showed that last year. So um, I think part of it has to do with him having to come back from an Achilles injury, which is such a hard thing to come back from for a regular person, much less, you know, a a college athlete. And then he's joining a team that had been playing really well without him um, coming into conference play. So I think he's trying to find his, his place in the offense. Um, And honestly, like I, 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 it did occur to me um, since we talked about it, I think a lot of the looks that Jabari has been getting um, or the way they set up plays for Jabari that, that seems like somewhat similar positioning to how they would try to set Flanagan up sometimes for plays. Now, Flanagan didn't quite do the turnaround jumper like Jabari because, you know, Jabari is more like Kevin Durant than any player Auburn has had, but You know, Flanagan would get a lot of those ISO looks where, you know, he'd post up on a guy, you know, uh, you know, up, up toward the three point line and then go to work from there. They'd be able to hit a mid range jumper from like the key uh, or sorry, from the elbow or get the ball inside and muscle his way up for a layup this year. It's just not there. It's like, he's lost a step. So I think there are a lot of factors that play into why he hasn't quite looked the same. I just, I want him to limit the turnovers. That's, that's the thing. Like, you don't have to be as explosive of a scorer as you were last year. Just take care of the ball, you know? Don't, don't turn yourself into an offensive liability on some plays. And the, the sad reality is on several plays, he has been. Now, he offsets, in my, in my opinion, he offsets that by still being, you know, a very, like a a very uh, aggressive on ball defender and he rebounds well and he plays hard on defense. And so I know that's why he's getting minutes. Like he's too athletic and too naturally good to keep on the bench, but on offense, like he, he just, he needs to be, he needs to play with, he needs to have this, this better balance of confidence, but also playing under control. Cause I think right now he's not doing either one of those well. He's not confident, and he's also kind of playing out of control. Yeah,
0: I agree. Uh, we've, we've used the step slow term a lot. Um, and defense and rebounding can, is continuing to be the theme for Bruce. That's what he's been publicly asking um, about, uh, for him. I think that's where the focus has to be. And I saw that tonight. I think he really yeah. did battle defensively. He's still – he's not – anyway, uh, my pregame thoughts – I hate to be a soothsayer, but I had a feeling. I had a bad feeling. Uh, I said turnovers were a problem against Florida the first time. Can Auburn win the turnover battle and take care of the ball? That's a big fat no. 17 to 11 uh, in turnovers. Just felt like not as much the points off turnovers. It was the missed opportunities to get shots up. Just felt like we could not get shots up consistently, which is how you score. Um, Number two, we already talked about Kessler foul trouble. That was one of my keys, and I kind of touched on the Castleton matchup. And that proved out, I think. Then number three, I said, can Auburn make Florida beat them with half-court offense and limit their easy points in transition? Um, you know, I thought we did keep it. it we kept them in the half-court a lot and they only scored 63. They hit some tough shots on us. They, but they won fast break points 13 to seven. You know, they did almost double us up in getting out and finishing. But I think we did okay, like we've talked about defensively. And, and they're not a prolific half-court offensive team. It just stinks that we left so many opportunities on the offensive end. Yeah. It could have kind of swung the results of this
1: game. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think a big part of Auburn's game is Katie Johnson or Wendell Green getting downhill um, off of a defensive rebound or turnover and either getting to the line or getting a quick layup. And Florida did a good job today of, of taking that away from from Auburn, you know, on that side of the ball. So, you know, just looking at like, the, the points in the paint stat too, that Auburn won 26 to 14, you know, you would think that that might offset the fact that they lost fast break points. But I I think that played more into Florida's favor because as a result, like, like you brought up before, if you take away Katie Johnson's six free throws, you're talking about 11 combined points for Auburn's guards um, on pretty, pretty bad shooting. Um, just doing some quick math. Three, yeah, three of nineteen from the field. Oh, of eight from the three-point line for Auburn's guards. That's not that's not what you need out of the guards. Like not only considering the fact that Wendell usually plays a lot better than that, he usually knocks down at least one three. You know, shooting fifteen percent from the field just isn't going to get it done. And then you combine that with the turnovers, and it just Auburn's offense was just very inefficient today i think that's what killed him yep
0: i agree uh i asked bobby for pre-game notes but then jackson did his because i didn't have access to the twitter page we're still working on that so um anyway Bonus. you made a great point i just want to quickly quickly shout out these out you said can auburn keep up their three-point shooting 36 percent better for this team they've been in the low 30s for the year they've yeah. been in the 20s a lot in the teens on the road so i was happy to see that um yeah. You said, how much will Jabari continue to assert himself? You were right on there. We saw a continuation of that. That's great. And then the other thing, game game plan-wise, was I want to see Walker get more scoring opportunities on the low block, and we just didn't see any of that
1: no. today. No. Against, against a guy like Castleton, that that's going to be a little bit tougher. I mean, Walker's really good, but I, I would say that actually one of the weaknesses of his game right now is his consistent ability – to get his own looks on the low block. And, you know, you, you could say like, oh, that's a pretty, you know, that's a pretty big uh, deficiency in his game. But the fact that he does everything else so well more than makes up for it. So I think his ability to, you know, take those entry passes in the post and then create something for himself, that'll just take his game to a whole other level. But I, I would just like to see Auburn, you know, continue to help him develop that aspect of his of his game so I guess this might not have been the game to (laughs) try and do that
0: well it's just not part of what Bruce does a ton I mean it's oh I know it's a dinosaur a little bit outside in the college game in general and in NBA even at this point yeah but uh man you have seen a lot of flashes for Walker it'd be really nice to get him a few touches every game kind of in that space
1: I mean he knocked down he was our uh he had our best three point percentage by the way can we shout out to I, I just Matt I cannot I cannot stress how hilarious it is to me that Auburn's guards went 0 of eight from the three point line and Auburn's front court went five of six from the three point line. That is hysterical to me and just cements the fact that Auburn has the best front court in college basketball. Don't at me.
0: That's true. It's true. Well, let's jump into that real quick. So. Uh, I'm gonna cut a couple of these guys out because we've already talked a lot about them, but let's just start at the top here. Katie Johnson, twelve points, six of six at the line, three of eight shooting, four rebounds, five turnovers that you touched on. Um, he has his moments. I've been very complimentary of Katie the last few weeks. I do think it's it's hard to say outside of the five turnovers, but outside of the five turnovers, um, He did some nice things. He continues to be a better defender than he was early in the year in terms of like the simple defensive plays, not necessarily the, we call them the Hamburglar moments where he steals and runs and does something crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't know what your quick, quick thoughts on KD. He,
1: he has been passing a lot more and I, I like that. He had a beautiful feed in the first, at the end of the first half under to Walker. Now that was, you know, sandwiched in between a couple of his, you know, throwing the ball out into the parking lot turnovers. And there was another one where I think he, I don't remember what it was. He caused another turnover, like right after, or no, maybe he had the pass to Walker and then hit a floater. So he ended the first half really well. So anyway, yes, he's, he's been a lot, a lot of his game has improved lately, but he's still, he's still got to clean up the turnovers. Like he still just needs to be a little more under control uh, across the board. So
0: We've, we've talked a lot about Jabari, uh, but I refuse to not talk about Jabari a little more anytime you have an opportunity. <laughs> I think the most exciting thing, obviously, he's hot from three right now. Obviously, he scores 28 in a losing effort. He only has two turnovers, um, seven rebounds to lead the team. But how about, how about getting to the free throw line 11 times? I think for him, that's a huge development. Yeah. We've talked a lot about how he's struggling to get to the basket and finish. He did that a couple times today. So I really think you're starting to see the ascension of his overall game, um, yes. and I want to just give everybody 30 seconds to gush about Jabari. I mean, why not?
1: <laughs> I have never seen such a silky smooth jumper from anybody in an Auburn uniform, and like I've I've seen Bryce Brown play. You know, Chuba oh. Okiki had a beautiful stroke, but like Jabari's just on another level, man. I I hate hate that we only have a few more games left. To watch him in an auburn uniform because depending on how his NBA career pans out, he might end up going down as the best auburn basketball player ever. And I love Charles Barkley. I I think he is an American treasure. But Jabari is on another level, man. That ju- with that with that jumper, he's already NBA ready and as the rest and he's already a great on-ball defender, great defensive rebounder, as other elements of his game continue to evolve, like if he develops a quick crossover, watch out. He No one will be able to guard him.
0: He's also the most awkward open court dribbler at the, with his talent that I've ever seen. It continues to make me laugh. He had a really awkward transition play where it, it, I was like, oh no, this is because he has moments where he's not the best handle. He hasn't been great against the press at times, yeah. but man, he just, he got into a shot though somehow at the end of the awkward dribbling and nailed a three. So he's terrific. Enjoy it. You know, as many games as we get to watch him in an Auburn uniform, I'm glad he's starting to really break out. Um, Zepp Jasper, I'm the president of the Zepp Jasper fan club. He's the only guy that didn't turn it over tonight in 18 Woo. minutes. I do think his foul trouble was significant. Um, I think it forced us to do some th- – I didn't like that Wendell played 30 minutes with how productive he was. I think that should have been a little more even. It probably would have been without the early foul trouble on Zepp, and then he got in trouble again in the second half. Um one assist. And he didn't, you know. He took one shot, missed it. One rebound, one assist. It's not about that. If you know Zep, it's the defense, it's the intensity, and it's the it's the the calmness. And you know, I don't think this is fair at all. But I do think people are going to look at some of these late possessions and be like, maybe you take the ball. <laughs> but but I don't I don't personally I don't believe you take Wendell off the court. He's been our closer all year. He's won us a lot of games. You can't panic about a regular season road loss by one point. But if Zepp's in that game, I can guarantee you
1: he's going to to
0: get in that position. It's going to get somewhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Zepp is – he might be the best glue guy I've ever seen in an Auburn uniform. Um, I hate it when I see people on the internet going, why is it even a big deal he was out? He only averages five points a game. I'm like, you don't understand basketball at all, do you? It's not – like the, the reason he's so important to Auburn is not because of how many points he does or does not score. It's how he takes care of the ball, how he always guards the other team's best guard and how he's a willing distributor um, and a great compliment to Katie Johnson and Jabari Smith, um, you know, as Auburn's primary scorers in that lineup. So he's, he's fantastic. He's, he's one of my favorite players I've ever seen I love a a basketball player who works hard does not complain when he doesn't get any shots and understands his role he embraces it and that that's what makes him so important to this team that's why I'm so excited that uh, at least as far as I know he's coming back next year that's going to be so critical for Auburn
0: yep I agree I I love him I, I do I do think though he's got offensive game in him and when we're in this kind of funk on offense you know I think he everybody and Bruce said it after the game today, you know, we're at our best when everybody contributes and that includes that. Yeah. I know I, I brag on him for all the non-scoring stuff, but look, you know, we're at a place where I do think we need some scoring from different sources. So I'm hoping to see him kind of reemerge at some point. He's just, just
1: one thing before you move, he, he yeah. averaged like 15 points at college of Charleston, didn't he? Yep. Like he, he was a, he was with their leading scorer. I thought. Yep. And yeah, he so it- scored in double digits a lot
0: this year. I mean, he, he he's capable. Yeah. Um, But he he also defers, and he needs to defer. He's great with that starting lineup because, you know, you want the shots to get to KD, to get to uh, Jabari, to get to Kessler. And I think that's why it works well with him starting and Wendell coming off the game. Speaking of Wendell, we're going to skip Kessler and Flanagan because we've talked about them a lot. (laughs) Uh, Wendell, five points. I know we've talked about him too. Five points, five assists, three turnovers, two for 10, 0 for 5 from 3. Uh, one rebound he's usually a big rebounding guard for his size just not great um, I think the question I would have for you is do you see anything um, do you see anything that teams are doing differently against him compared to when he was just torching people from three with the lobs with the kickouts like have you noticed over the last few weeks as he's been struggling a little more uh, anything that you could point out
1: it seems like teams have been pressuring him uh, at half court more. Teams have been uh, trying to force him to either side. I think teams are realizing that with his quickness, you have to shrink the court. Oops. Sorry. little technical issue. You have to, uh, you can edit this out, right, Matt? Uh, We'll fix it in post. You have to shrink the court for Wendell, right? He's, he's too quick and he's too crafty getting into the paint and so I think teams are realizing that and so they're they're bringing up double teams but they're also positioning the uh the, the double teamer to not get beat on the screen so I think they're taking away that high screen and roll with Kessler and forcing Wendell to get the ball out of his hands or if they're able to get Wendell to dribble toward the sideline they're trapping him there and I mean at five ten, which really means he's probably about 5 8 um there's not much room for him to operate and so i think teams have kind of realized that um, if you throw a big body at him and force him into a tight space then he is far less uh or you can you can force him into some mistakes wendell's crafty he finds a way to make plays anyway but tonight and look in fairness to wendell sometimes you're just off you know sometimes your shots just aren't dropping um there were a couple of those threes that like when they're in the air i was like oh this is the one like this this is when he's going to get one to drop and auburn's going to get fired up from it and that's where the run's going to start and it just it didn't happen so
0: i think people are giving him that mid-range floater and it seems like they're keeping him away from the rim at late getting layups and they're letting him have that logo three because you have to i mean like they're they're out on him but they're going to give him that they're going to try to hound him on a close three-pointer a good look and then they're going to They almost like release him to the middle, but they're keeping that big guy back on Kessler, you know, for the lob. And I think he's going to have to, he's shown the ability to hit that floater. I think that's a key. The mid range for him is going to be something that unlocks. Jalen Williams only played seven minutes because Jabari Mm. played 33, as he should have. No points, nothing really, nothing really to say. I just feel like Jalen's been so close all year, even his two shots tonight. I felt like we're really close. Good looks um just hasn't quite been able to get in a consistent rhythm he had a really good game against Florida the first time um you know it, he's just really suffering the most because of how good Jabari is and Jalen plays at for. I thought when Kessler was in foul trouble I thought we might get some Jalen Williams center okay. actually
1: I was about to say the same thing I'm actually kind of surprised only because of Williams ability to handle the ball he's a pretty good ball handler for his for his height he's very athletic he goes up and gets some tough rebounds he and Cambridge both but Williams like everything he does looks so smooth like it it almost looks like he's not running super fast because like everything he does is just like a long sweeping motion of some kind I'm surprised especially in this game that Cardwell got 14 minutes and got up five shots and Jay only had seven minutes I'm surprised that The coaching staff has not gone with the like death lineup a lot more this year, putting putting Jay at the five. And and maybe it's a defensive thing. You know, maybe maybe you like obviously you don't want to keep Kessler off the court because he's way too important to the defense. And Cardwell has actually played really well as a defender. He's he's a little too foul happy (laughs) sometimes. But I guess when you're the backup center, you know, you can afford to be a little more. Aggressive because nobody's expecting 20 to 25 minutes out of you. But I'm surprised just as a change of pace, they haven't thrown Williams at the five and let Auburn completely space the floor and kind of play that Warriors, uh, you know, Warriors death lineup style.
0: I think it's a risk, you know, I'm sure they were toying with it when he got his third, Um, you know, do you take that gamble on offense to pull Castleton away, but then do you run the risk of (laughs) – uh, Jalen's a really good defender and bigger than people think, but you know that's going to be a tough matchup for him against Castleton on the inside. So yeah. maybe they and Jalen, to be fair, hasn't been playing great. So maybe they felt a little uncomfortable doing that in a big spot. So anyway, Devin Cambridge, the people I was watching with today, like how cool is it that we have a dunk guy? Like that's what he does. He's just a dunk. Yeah. Like it's very rare. Um, I anyway, two points made his one layup, six rebounds. Like you said, that's become his thing. Uh, one turnover in 19 minutes, the minutes between him and Flanagan continue to come close to even. Uh, yep. every, uh, you're, I think that's, I don't think they're going to take Flan out uh, from the, of the lineup, but I think you're just going to see a little more Cambridge, a little less Flanagan, which is probably good for both of them.
1: Well, and, um, I, and I, you know, to touch on that point a little bit more, you brought this up, you know, <laughs> off camera a while back. Auburn, I think could benefit a lot from more scoring production from the three. If you look at the the lineup across the board, they're not getting much production out of the three spot, and I mean, I know the, the 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 assumption before the year started was that like Flanagan would come back and he would provide you know kind of like a third or fourth, maybe even second best scoring option behind Jabari, and that just hasn't quite you know that that hasn't quite shaped shaped up. Um, on the other hand, I do think. Cambridge's shot selection has like his his understanding of his shot selection has gone through the roof this year because last year he would hoist up way too many threes and the ironic thing is his breakout game was against South Carolina in like 2019 he hit like seven threes he's not that great of a shooter actually he's good at a ton of other stuff but his his shooting has never been like you know, his, uh, his strong point. So I think him focusing on his defense and his rebounding actually has benefited the team the most. And it's been a way for him to like put his athleticism and his skill set, uh, you know, to the best use. And of course a Devin Cambridge alley, always brings the house down. Yep. So I've actually been really happy with how he has developed as, as a player and not, not uh, seeking shots as much. He wants to do a lot more of the little things this year. <laughs>
0: Me too. I'm very proud of how he's developed. I keep bragging on him for his defense. It's so much better than it used to be. Um, he's he's finding his role, and I think. But I I think he, you could put him in that Zep camp. and put Flanagan. I think we need some guys to kind of find their offensive rhythm, their scoring rhythm, to move moving forward. Cardwell's the last guy you mentioned. One of five, two points, three rebounds. Uh, harder matchup for him against Castleton. He has been really efficient and good in his minutes, his limited minutes. Um, got a few more tonight with Kessler in a little bit of foul trouble. Um, you know, he brings what he brings. It did feel like it was a little quiet night for him in terms of, uh, no, like not as many theatrics, maybe, uh, any any thoughts on him?
1: Not, I mean, not really. I thought he played pretty well considering the circumstances. Um, I don't, I don't know, man, I, I don't. I guess when he goes like you know 3 or 4 from the field cuz you know he has games like that where you know he gets like 3 or 4 lobs or you know putbacks off of offensive rebounds and you're like oh great you know he's got 8 points very efficient from the field but on a night like tonight when you know your offense has not been as efficient as maybe it should have been it's it's just a numbers thing you you know you kind of get lost in the numbers and forget the actual flow of the game but looking at the box score and seeing 1 of 5 from the field you know, for, uh, for Dylan Cardwell, um, you know, that's not quite what you want to want to see. So I would, I'd like, I guess, um, none of his shots were dumb. I just like to see him be a little, uh, more under control under the basket when he's, when he's finishing. So it's fair. what have um, you got queued up for us? Well,
0: so, I mean, any,
1: I guess let, let's
0: kind of transition last few minutes, big picture, um, so Auburn's 12 and two. Now you kind of give up the two game lead. I guess we'll talk through as we record this, the big games today in the sec are done. Uh, Kentucky beats Alabama at home. So they are now one game back of Auburn. Uh, Auburn lost South Carolina beat LSU at home, which is interesting. We'll talk about that group in a minute. Uh, big one for us, Arkansas 58 to 48 over Tennessee in a parent rock fight. Um, so, Tennessee loses, which I we were probably all rooting for after Auburn lost. So, Arkansas and Tennessee are two back, yeah. Kentucky's one back. And um, obviously, Auburn plays Tennessee on Saturday. So, it's nice that potentially, if Auburn takes care of business at home against Ole Miss, they're not in danger of Tennessee. Doesn't have the opportunity to say, oh, if we beat Auburn, we're tied for the lead or whatever. Um, that could still happen, but it, it makes it less likely. So, there's this clear encouraging four teams. At the top, Auburn, Kentucky, Arkansas, Tennessee. Then there's this clear four middle teams: LSU, Alabama, who have underachieved a little bit, and then Florida and South Carolina, who are kind of South Carolina is sneaking around. Like I don't know if many people thought they'd be seven and seven in the league. That's our last home game. That's one to track. They're pretty hot. And, you know, you beat LSU. That's that's significant. LSU's got a lot of talent. Um, and then Mississippi State, who is our last home game, uh, is six and seven right now. And I guess they do not play. Day, maybe, maybe they do. Hang
1: on. I feel like they do. I think Why is this does. not showing then? Let's I see. don't know. They play tomorrow. Wait, when do they play?
0: Oh, oh yeah, they play yeah. tomorrow. They play tomorrow against Missouri, so on the road. So anyway,
1: herbage. Sun- too much a too- Sunday night college basketball game. What is that? Maybe that's one
0: of the makeup games from like did I think they had maybe a cancellation due to COVID early in the conference schedule or something like that. But um. Anyway, I guess the big picture yeah. thought is yeah. You know, Auburn made their job a little more difficult by losing today. They're still in first place by themselves. Um, four games left. We've talked about on this podcast. We don't want to share with anybody. We don't want to share championships. We want it all to ourselves. But at this point, and I think I saw Bruce's video to message to the team as they were breaking down their sad locker room was you know we're <laughs> going to see what we're made of. And I that's exactly what I thought after our game ended. This will be the first real adversity that this team has faced all year because you just gave a lot of ground back to some really good teams. Um, And we've got to see if they can pick themselves back up at home against Ole Miss this week.
1: Yeah. Yeah, hopefully they – I mean, after each loss this year so far, Auburn has responded, um, you know, To get a game at home, it helps to, that you're playing, you know, an Ole Miss team that is not quite as good, maybe as some people thought they were going to be. So, you know, they've they've got a good good opportunity to pick themselves back up and keep that lead in the uh, the regular season conference race.
0: So, yeah, I'm, and we've talked Ole Miss is a hard matchup for us. Bruce has struggled with Kermit Davis and his kind of matchup zone at times. A lot of people remember they hit us in the mouth pretty good in Oxford in the first half on the road there. So that'll be a big, you know, we got to kind of, there's no time to lick our wounds. We need to keep our undefeated streak in Auburn Arena on Wednesday. And then I'll be in Knoxville for the big Tennessee game next week. Kentucky, if you're curious, they play LSU this week on Wednesday night at home. They go to Arkansas, they host Ole Miss, and they go to Florida. So that is not an easy closing four for Kentucky. Maybe, you know, if you're an Auburn fan, you're definitely going to be rooting for them to lose one more. Um, or two more, or what? You know, at least lose one more to maybe give us yeah. some wiggle room. Because um, look, Tennessee and Mississippi State on the road are going to be hard. Um, if you if you don't believe that this league is challenging and that it's hard to win on the road by now, you're just not paying attention. It's really difficult. Tennessee was as hot as anybody, and they scored 48 points in Fayetteville. You know, I mean, that's it's just a tough league.
1: Yeah. I actually did not expect that considering how, I mean, they kind of, they kind of tossed Kentucky around. That's very surprising to me that they only scored 48. And you know, we've talked about this a ton. I mean, this is the deepest the SEC has ever been in basketball. I think, I mean, it's gotta be right. Literally anyone can beat anyone on a given night. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's uh it's equally encouraging because if you lose a game, it's not the end of the world. Nobody looks at you and thinks, "Wow, you're a terrible team." But it, it also makes your job of trying to win the uh, the regular season title and then the conference tournament title and then make it to March Madness be even even tougher. So uh, knowing that, it makes me really glad that we have role as as the the head coach because I look, I could not imagine a Tony Barbie Auburn team. <laughs> in this league right now i mean we'd be we'd be georgia we would be georgia right now but probably with no wins
0: well you're right um we're still in a great spot i think you know it, it i guess the other piece of news the tournament committee put out their one group of the top 16 mm-hmm. teams in their bracket yep. auburn was number two overall before this yep. loss you know people are going to get all worked up about the polls and about the you know whatever i to me the the goal has been all year to win the sec regular season if you do that you're going to be fine i you'd rather be a one seed you'd rather get some of the geographic advantages but if you've looked at the tournament sites there aren't many uh, other than new orleans being the final four host so um you know my goals are kind of to keep auburn in that one and two seed line win the sec championship take our you know we'll see in the sec tournament what happens but Oh, man, so close. Something we've only accomplished three times ever um, to win the SEC. We've got four games left. Uh, it's going to be a close race. You know, uh, I wish it wasn't going to be as close. Today would have been a – and Bruce said it. He, he said this week, this is a huge game because it would really set us apart and put us – give us some space and some distance. And we just couldn't quite get it done and for all the reasons we've talked about. So, Bobby – I'll ask you if you have any last thoughts, but thank you for, um, you know, jumping in, talking a loss with us. Uh, you and I have done podcasts and stuff before, so appreciate you repaying the favor here. I know Jackson does too. Um, so thanks for being here. And, uh, who knows we may, I, I don't know exactly our plan yet, but we're going to try to have some different people on while Jackson's out. So you may hear Bobby again, everybody. We'll, we'll find out.
1: I kind of hate that you asked me to do the, the one regular uh, regulation loss for, uh, for, for Auburn. So I'd just like to point out that this was not my fault, I think. Um, and if it was, if, if, if I'm on the show again, and it's for an Auburn loss, then I will never do this podcast again. That is a, that is a promise. What are you doing?
0: I had to plug my. Oh.
1: Hey man.
0: All right. Sorry about that. My uh, my computer was about to die, and I tried to catch it, and uh, I couldn't. I literally plugged it in, and it went off. So oh no, <laughs> apologies. Um, anyway, you were saying it's not your fault for this loss, and I agree. So no, uh, any any other closing thoughts for uh, about this game or this season as we move forward?
1: Oh man, I actually I don't know how much of it might have been caught because you're recording all of this, but while you. We're a freeze frame, you know, from my perspective, I was actually getting into an impassioned story um, about how glorious it is that Auburn basketball is in the place that it is. Because, as you know, I was a student at Auburn from 2010 to 2013, and that was literally right before Bruce got there. So that was during the dark ages with Tony Barbie who seems like the the saddest, most miserable man I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Seems like he's never been happy about anything. But uh, at Auburn Arena, you could roll up to a basketball game probably 10 minutes before tip-off, and I did this several times, and just go stand center court uh, on the front row of the student section and watch Auburn lose at basketball. To go from that to students camping out before games – like the night before is just unfathomable to me to, to see Auburn like uh, grinding its way through the toughest the SEC has ever been to being number one in the conference and even reaching the number one ranking uh, overall, you know, for the first time in program history is just un it's unreal. And so as a basketball fan for a, a big portion of my life, it was always kind of a letdown to me that Auburn was so terrible for so long at basketball. So to see this program built up the way it has been under Bruce Pearl has been very encouraging. And I, I love that. I get to look forward to, you know, for several weeks out of my year watching Auburn basketball play twice a week. I think that is so special. And I think if you're an Auburn basketball fan, just like the two of us, um, you need need to appreciate this and, and, you know, you know, uh, be sad when Auburn loses, you know, but you know the next day, you should be over it because they get to play again in a couple of days, and they you know they they get to rebound from that and prove that they are still a force to be reckoned with in the conference. And that's the position Bruce Pearl has put them in. It's a special, special thing. And if any of you, you know, listeners were an Auburn student or you know, were following Auburn basketball before Bruce Pearl, you understand, how amazing this is so uh, yeah the loss against Florida it sucked but it happens you know you're it, it's very rare for any team to go undefeated in conference play to go undefeated throughout their entire regular season or whole season so that, that was probably never going to happen all of Auburn's goals are still ahead of them and it's it's just not it's it's you can't even put it into words so yeah
0: I agree um You know, you're right. Anybody who was there knows this. I feel like people who were there in the dark days really appreciate this, even on a different level. So, thanks, man. I really appreciate you joining us. Um, Thanks for filling in. Sorry it was on a loss, but um, we will, uh, you know, I know you and me will be talking as the rest of this season goes on, whether it's on the podcast or off. So, appreciate you, buddy.
1: Of course. Thanks for having me on. War Eagle. All right.
0: War Eagle, everybody. We will be back Wednesday a post Ole Miss with somebody and me talking about Auburn basketball where you go, keep peacocking. Don't back down. This team is still awesome.